Everybody out there in internet land, welcome again to the Snap No Tap podcast. Tony Cicchini here with, at this point, we can legitimately call him legendary, um, amazing. Uh, what else? What other adjectives can we use to describe you, Mr. Cardinal? Tubular. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. I like to use that a lot. What, what's the word? <laughs> tubular. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're totally tubular, dude. Um, welcome to the show. And hey, what's going on, Joe? Uh, not much, man. It's been a good week. It, it was, you know, we had a touch of winter again yesterday. It was like ten degrees by me uh, when I was yeah. walking the dog. God damn it! I thought we were out of this, but no, you know, it never ends, does it? I got snow this morning, a dusting, but there was snow again. So, although it's supposed to warm up today and so on, the next few days, uh, who knows? You know, um, I know it was bitter cold yesterday for the St. Patrick's Day parade in Chicago which kind of our topic today is going to kind of be something about urban protection. It's a shame we didn't do it last week, but we had a special guest. But I was going to say we're going to do this since the weather's starting to warm up. So we got several months before that, the way it's going over here. (laughs) So what's, uh, what's cooking with you, buddy? Uh, Let me see what's been going on. Uh, well, I saw the new Batman movie, which I know is not probably on your radar, but I was pretty pumped about that. It's three hours. Like, they can't make it long. It really should have been a miniseries. Um, but at just that time of year, I think it's like every other, like, well, every, you know, spring, heading into spring, there's going to be a whole new slew of superhero movies. So, you know, and actually seeing kind of a rough urban environment that Gotham City is, that also kind of ties in with our, with our you watch that movie and granted it's fantasy, but it's, you know, um uh, there an intermission break no no they just let oh. it roll yeah oh wow so uh but it was definitely a lot of fun very cool um very dark and atmospheric you know uh it was got a very interesting mix of you know fantasy and i wouldn't say you know but trying to be have a, a mix of some realism with it too so it was very interesting uh, i definitely recommend it if people are fans of those kind of movies i, I enjoyed it i probably will watch it again um, like I said, I just had to process it a lot. You know, amazing cast, a lot of great cast in that, uh, really stellar, really great job of it. Um, yeah, see what else has been going on? Like I said, still doing the EMT training, was out to Jason's school yesterday, um, you know, and I have the scars to prove it. And uh, let's see, what else has been going on? That's about it. Yeah, just continue on. What about you? What's how things? It's always the same here. It's like Groundhog Day. It, nah. You know, it's a continual deterioration of my mother, and you know, it's uh, it's really frustrating. Every day, it's something 
And it kind of, again, ties into what we're going to be talking about with the uh, street awareness uh, thing. You know, every day something's thrown at me that you would you can't practice for, okay? You cannot uh, get it in your mind. You know, uh, you, you, there's just no way. So you have to have, you know, a broader perspective, and, and that is basically expect the unexpected. You know, uh, it's just rough. And people let you down and things like that. So, and again, that's almost all of this ties into street scenarios where I've always told everyone, do not ever expect help in a street fight. Don't, don't, don't expect it to happen. If it does, great. You know, if it's positive help, you can't expect it to happen. So you got to prepare to do things on your own. And, And so that's what it is with me every day in my life. Just something new. Mm. but uh yeah uh that was going to be our our big thing you know i've talked about this several times before years ago when i used to do a daily uh well before they called it podcasts i think i don't know daily videos on um facebook whenever the weather changes i i try to like to you know the seasons change i try to tell people about how to you know prepare you know for the training and uh you know, not just like, you know, I train outside. Um, if you take public transportation, you got to figure a way to make a mock public transportation setup, which can be done. Um, you can easily do that. You, you have to practice in the environment that you're going to be mostly, most likely to encounter uh, situations or, or, uh, uh, environments that um, are just not native to you, all right, uh, in your training, native in your training. Because when you're practicing on these cushiony mats all the time, you know, you lose perspective. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, and I think context is a lot, of, you know, and I think this is, this is a topic worth revisiting uh, frequently, I think, on this podcast, you know, because we never know who's listening and when they are listening. Um, and this is obviously kind of like the prime directive of why at least we train, you know, and I think most people, sometimes people get into it for the sportive aspect and that's cool, but just keep in mind what you're doing and don't lose track of reality, I guess, you know, cause it's very easy to get lulled into, you know, um, a sense of, you know, especially if you're very gifted at it or very athletic, uh, you may be able to pull off moves or do things, but it's in an artificial environment, you know, where uh, you know, where someone isn't going to be, you know, going for your vitals, you know, uh, or someone else isn't going to be coming and rushing in into the fray, you know, um, or like you said, like even even the cushy mats, you know, how long can you stay rolling on the ground if it's concrete or gravel, you know, or if you're running into curbs, it's it becomes a lot more dangerous and uh, you get tore up. I mean, granted, you'll have a lot of adrenaline going on if it's the real thing and you may not realize how, how bad it is, but uh, it will add up. Um, the other thing, and I want to ask you, I assume like when you talked about setting up like kind of a public transportation kind of scenario that uh, for me, one of the things that was always missing in my training early on, you know, because uh, I think my, I would like to say my stuff was kind of combat sport oriented. So, you know, I started kind of in a kickboxing environment and you always kind of touched gloves, you waited for the bell and then you squared off against each other. Well, that's completely artificial. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it may be that like, you know, in, in a, in a 
bar like an uh, like an altercation that escalates you may have time to prep yourself so if you know if, if you're starting to have words with somebody you might expect it and start to do it but um a lot of times you know that you've got that kind of scenario but you've also got the sucker punch the ambush where you know you're just going about your business and you haven't had time to prepare so i think i guess i was kind of making a statement but also asking a question is like you know how often and do you like to mix in like almost like role-playing and scenario-based aspects into your training? As often as possible. Uh, you know, at, at least one, if you, have a, if you have a school setting or an, uh, uh, an area setting where you can do this, be it a school or a, a, a park, wherever it is, at least once a week, uh, you need to keep alert on all of this. Multiple assailants, if you don't practice that, you're not prepared, period. Uh, and let's face it, most schools don't practice that. Um, not all, I mean, some do, but even then I've seen schools that do the multiple assailants and it, it, it's more or less like really like a movie fight scene. You know, one guy's coming at you, then he backs off and another guy's coming at you. They, 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 you know, that's not how it works out. Um, you know, you've got to be prepared mentally to get your ass kicked because you're going to probably lose. Okay. Uh, in the gym, you know, in, in this live scenario training. And um, I think it's really good. I think it's a really good thing to happen because it can be a wake up call to say, yeah, I really need to, uh, you know, change my training around. And you got to realize too, that everything, and if you're a competitive uh, fighter, martial artist, uh, you know, the rule sets, you can pretty much figure out what, what goes and what doesn't go. But not in not in the real world. You just don't know. Like I mentioned earlier about who knows what my mom's going to pull. You don't know, right? So you have to expect the unexpected and be prepared for that. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, there's a lot that I, I know guys personally that just don't, they're not prepared for that because they reach out to me via email and they're candid with it. They're like, you know, we're just, we're so, we're into so much sport grappling that, and we just don't know how to really fight. I'm like, yeah, it's a different world. And I mean, it can be shock, psychologically shocking. And I, it's just, I don't kind of want to use this almost as like a public apology, but do you remember that guy who came out? This is when we still had the, the tool and die. Um, and we worked with him and he was definitely there for self-defense. You know, he had gotten some good advice uh, from, I think he, he'd gotten into an altercation. You know, he was not an athlete, but he'd gotten into an altercation. And uh, he had a friend who was in law enforcement at some level, maybe even the FBI, I think. But he, the guy basically said, learn how to wrestle and learn how to box if you want to protect yourself. And he came to us. And so, we, you know, we were just kind of spitballing and we were working some basic wrestling and boxing stuff with him. But then we kind of got on this topic with it and we went through a role playing thing. And it was my role to be verbally abusive to him. And I, I definitely did not hold back. And I think I think we lost him at that point. Like, we, I don't think we ever heard from the guy again. And I feel horrible because I didn't. I mean, we all we kind of we didn't we, I don't think we went over really heavily the ground rules, but it was like Joe's going to like try and like really get in your face and, you know, be the, you know, proverbial asshole and, and really come at you. And, and that's something you have to be ready for because it is a tactic. And even in the training environment, like I said, it was, I think I, I could see it changed. He was not the same after that, you know, and that was, uh, I mean, it, it was, it was good and bad because I think it's a wake up call, uh, you know, but, uh, but it was also sad because I think, you know, Maybe I didn't handle that as well as I could have. No, you did perfectly. It's all it's all on him. It's 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 never on you. You did the absolute right thing. And you know, it was 
really in a harmless situation. It wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to be physically abused. Um, but yeah, he just, you know, like many people, the fight or flight syndrome, and he kind of wilted. Um, I've seen that many times. We, Martin and I were just talking about yesterday about a guy who came when I used to coach at Triton and he would come regularly. And I kept prepping him. I said, the day's going to be coming where you're going to be getting ripped. You're going to find out what ripping is like. And it's going to be, you know, an eye opener for you. And like a lot of guys, when he got ripped, he, he started crying. He, he couldn't stop crying. And that was the last we ever saw him, you know, cause he couldn't take it that this is the next level of, of fighting. Um, you know, so you don't never feel bad about that. You do, you did your part. Uh, and it's kind of ironic because my friend Johnny Rice called me yesterday. This may sound off topic, but it's not. And he was at the uh, VA the day, a couple days before with his daughter. And long story short, you know, Johnny's old, bad health, has a lot of issues. And the doctor asked him, how many cigars do you smoke? Well, Johnny never tell, tells the truth about it. Johnny smokes, he chain smokes cigars. So he could go through eight or nine a day. But Johnny told him three. And the doctor says, well, that's it. I'm done. I, I don't want you as my patient anymore because uh, you won't quit, you know? And Johnny is like, well, what if I cut down to one? He's like, nope. You know, so the doctor laid the ground rules. You can't smoke. This is what's causing your problems here, or, or not just alone, but you know, this is a significant cause of your problems. And Johnny chooses not to quit smoking. Okay. So it's the same scenario here. You know, these people want to learn they want to really learn to defend themselves against a violent encounter. And I don't think they understand what a violent encounter is. And then when you kind of put them in a mock scenario, some will rise to the occasion, no doubt. Others don't. You, you, you just, you know, you can't be their handmaiden. You can't be their psych, psychiatrist. Uh, if they don't want to continue to train, it's, 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 it's unfortunate. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, and maybe as a coach too, sometimes there's a way, like if you can sense that you're, it's hard to know if your guy's going to be ready for it or not, you know, and you know, I, I guess it's got to be tricky because you don't want to lose the guy and drive him away. Is there a way kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, they talk about, you know, the frog in the boiling water where you can kind of turn it up slowly, you know, so, you know, do you think it's better to like, obviously they need some shock value because I think no matter what you do in the gym, it's never going to be like it is in the street. Like the, the, the street is always, a, you know, the scariest scenario. Although I think like you said, Rodman would say he wanted the worst beatings and, and stuff you went through to be in the gym. So that like, you know, you're actually, you know, much more comfortable when it actually, when the real thing happened. Um, so maybe that's wrong to kind of gradually increase um, it, kind of the. Yeah. I would say it depends on the person's background. You know, some people, uh, I hate to, okay, I'm going to paint with a broad brush here. I'm going to make a generalization, all right? Uh, so let's just use these generic terms. Some people live in such a safe area, right, that the odds of violence are much less than someone who lives in a high-crime area where they're surrounded by violence all the time. Now, we all know that violence can happen anywhere, any place, and it does, all right? So I'm just using this to make an example. There are people that I, and you know, and a lot of people know that have never seen a violent, violent act, a seriously violent situation. So they may want to know more or less out of curiosity. Um, and if they're 
30, 35 years old doesn't mean that they'll never run into it. But if you've gone that far in your life and have not seen that, then you kind of, you, you, you know, the, the, these people have been insulated. So, yeah, getting to know them, seeing, seeing if you know their personality, uh, people would say, well, you know, you can base it on that. But I, that's really not true because there are human beings walking around, and I would, va- I would say the vast majority of people, you would think that they would know themselves pretty good, right? And they don't know how they would react in a scenario until it happens. So I am of the uh, opinion it's best to let's find out as soon as possible, okay? Because if you fall apart, maybe you don't ever want to come to the gym again, but maybe that'll maybe make you reach out and get counseling uh, or, or something outside of, of the gym that you're at to work on these, uh, whatever they may be, phobias, insecurities, uh, hangups, whatever it may be. Um, that's my take on it. But the getting back to the Radvan thing, um, most people, you know, if they are involved in a violent encounter and they survive, you know, let's hope it's only once in their life. Uh, you know, the neighborhood I was raised in. So it was, it was a lot more than once, but still, it was never going to be as many times as I got my ass kicked working out. Right. So when you become, when you, when you're used to getting, you know, uh, put into that pressure cooker in the gym all the time, it, it just becomes like expected. Right. So when you do get into it in real life, outside the, outside the gym, you're completely prepared for it. So it's not like something, Oh, I took a course, a weekend course like four years ago with, you know, Joe Blow martial arts street fighter guy, you know, and now you're, you're going on memory. No, you're used to it. You're used to that high intensity, uh, stressful situation situation. So, and your body and mind make that pain connection. Okay. Like that's a big thing that, that, that people miss out on. Uh, like I said, the grown men crying because of the painting, pain, pain of the ripping, um, no other gyms are doing that, okay, that I'm aware of, you know, where grown men are crying, 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 um, and not injured. No, nobody needs to go to the hospital. You know, it's just the pain. Uh, you got to become a, uh, uh, used to that, you know, or accustomed to it or, or at least familiar with it. You don't have to necessarily want it, but you, you have to become used to it. I, I just read something two days ago. In Florida, uh, some guy, I'll cut to the chase, uh, some older guy got really abusive with, with a worker, and long story, there was like a 50-year age difference, okay? The, the, the guy was like, the abuser was 77, the worker was like 20-something, and it got racial, and the worker punched the old man one time, the man fell, hit his head, and died, Okay. And we've talked about scenarios like that before. It's more common than people think. And this harks to anyone. If you're strictly a grappler, and worse yet, if you're strictly just a ground fighter, man, you're living on borrowed time. And this is one of the things I try to make a point of, uh, especially in a snap, no tap. You have got to learn to strike, how to defend strikes, uh, how to move angles, this, that. Because, yes, you can get hit, you can get 
call it a sucker punch or whatever, but you could, any of us could fall, hit our head, and that's the end of our life. So, as you know, and I've preached many times, anytime you get into a street fight, I don't care who it's with, you have to expect that somebody here is going to die. That's what you have to believe. And let's hope it doesn't turn out that way. But you absolutely, totally, completely have to believe that. And you don't get that in, in modern-day martial arts training over, overall. You don't even get the fact that, oh, if he puts me in the arm bar, he's going to break my arm. You know, all the training is, well, all right, I'll tap out, and that's it. And, again, that's probably how it has to be, but you've got to circumvent that. You, you have got to know that if in real life he's going to break my arm, he's going to stab me, there's going to be two-on-one, three-on-one, I'm going to get hit with pipes, or I'm going to get, you know, knocked down and hit my head. I think some people are detached from that. You, you cannot be detached from that. Yeah, I'm going to plagiarize a phrase that I really like, and I'm probably plagiarizing it from you. At this point in my life, like, I can't even remember where I get sources from, so uh, I probably watched that on one of your videos, but it was very concise, and it was a simple phrase that I think should be a plaque on every martial arts uh, gym up on the wall, but it was like, to fight is to risk death. That's what it is. You know, every time you step, I remember I've heard some experienced uh, martial artists and fighters say stuff like that they weren't afraid to fight. Because, and they kind of had this statement, well, what's the worst that could happen? He kicks my ass. No. <laughs> wow. You know, that's, that's, you know, and I, I was kind of shocked. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt the person. I was like, no, that's your, maybe one of your best case scenarios that you just get your ass kicked a little bit. You know, um, I had a, a I, I talk about this buddy a lot of times because he's had his, uh, a coworker, a jujitsu guy, very accomplished jujitsu fighter, but he's been very open and he's had some street altercations more than a few in Chicago. And one, he got got the boot to the face because he went to the ground. Someone else yep. ran up and booted him and knocked him out. And he was lucky to be alive because had they had the intent to kill him at that moment, you know, he had no way to defend himself. He was out, you know, and he was very lucky, you know, and um, you don't know. I mean, like you said, even if they don't have the intent to kill you, they can accidentally kill you, you know, and kind of going back to your, the scenario you described, it always kind of surprises me when someone just we're, we're talking about in some ways we're we're blessed that in some ways we live granted there's pockets of real horrible violence throughout america but in some ways we live in a society, the world yeah right but well i mean yeah the rest of the world yeah i mean that's a whole other ball of wax but like i mean there are pockets here i guess where you can live your whole life like you said fairly safe and i think like you're mentioning that one uh you know older boss who got it apparently was riding this one guy and got in his face and i'm always shocked how people don't in the back of their mind say, you know, they, the assumption is I'm going to be physically safe. So I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever, you know, like where's their safety valve? Because, um, you know, it's almost like, uh, it was like a Conan quote and I'm going to misquote it from one of the books, but it's kind of like, it says barbarians are more civilized because they realize an insult could lead to being beheaded. You know, <laughs> we're like civilized people are safe and they'll say they'll be much more rude because they, they have this false sense of security. And I think the same thing, like when I see someone really get in someone's face, it's like, hey, you know, you start saying certain things, you don't know when you're going to trigger this guy and you're going to get hurt. So I, I'm always surprised when I hear about people, like you said, some 70 year old guy who's clearly not going to be able to, you know, you know, he's, he's going to be at a huge disadvantage, uh, just feeling free enough to, to get in someone's face. And that's, uh, you know, and he paid with his life for underestimating, you know, 
because basically, you know, I mean, life is full of conflict, right? And it can turn physical at any point. And you have to think about that. You know, you, I, I guess, I mean, it's a sad reality, but it's the truth, you know, that 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 line between, you know, uh, a normal, like a verbal confrontation and a physical one, even in, like I said, a professional setting. I'm just surprised when people don't have that instinct, you know, to uh, think about their safety, you know, in all scenarios. Well, I think it's okay to have a sport, 100% sport oriented gym, you know, as long as you keep pounding it into your student's head that this is a sport oriented gym and these techniques may not have the efficacy in real, in a real world scenario. Okay. As long as you're, you're open about that, you know, it would be the same as like, let's say you're a religious figure and somebody's coming to you for, you know, pray for me. You know, I have this terminal disease or I have this disease. Sure. I'll pray for you, but you also need to go see a physician. You know, you also need to get medical care. All right. I would be very angry at someone that would say, okay, you don't need doctors. Let's just pray. And we know that these, these things happen. Oh, sure. Conversely, I, I'm the, I feel the same way about martial arts schools uh, that, you know, mislead their students into thinking they're ready for any scenario. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. That takes very intense training, deep, deep, deep training. And uh, much like when I talked about training for heavy lifting, doing lockouts, um, lockouts are something that you, you intersperse in your training. You can't train lockouts every workout. Uh, you can't do these life or death scenario training every day. That's why I said maybe once a week or so you can go over scenarios, you know, awareness, situational awareness. That's fine. But, you know, um, you, you've got to watch with certain people. They, they have to be groomed to be able to deal with the constant negativity of uh, of urban combat or real world combat, because it's 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 deadly, <laughs> it's just not fun. So, see, I was going to tell you that when I remember, as far back as first first grade, I went to school with this kid named Lance. Okay. And he had an older brother. He had a younger bro- uh, younger sister. But already, this is first grade. I don't know how old I was, six. I, I, it's irrelevant. But Lance's mother, Lance didn't have a father. We never met his father because his father was already killed. Killed. Hit in the head in the neighborhood with a pipe. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let's say that was 1970. 71, however old I was, I was born in 64. So our first, I mean, even as a young kid, me, we already were aware that, man, people we know, our classmate, his dad's already dead because he got hit in the head with a pipe. Uh, so the for me, I think the transition was far easier because I was in that violent world. Uh, I, I knew nothing else, okay? So it was a natural thing for me to want to learn how to defend myself. Other people who just read about it or see it on the internet, or this or that, it, 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 it may not give the same impression, the sense of urgency, because it is, it's very urgent that people learn to defend themselves. So um, 
like now when I hear all this stuff about they like to out where I'm living now, they like to pick on Chicago about all the violence. I'm like, all the violence you see in Chicago now is still a hell of a lot less than it was when I was growing up in the seventies in Cleveland and historically in Chicago as well. All right. And that's because these, these people here in this area, all of them, except for one, have not even been to Chicago. So they didn't live through the violence that Chicago had in the seventies or maybe even earlier. Um, so to them, it's just a distant far off thing. Kind of like the war right now in, 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 uh, in the country of Ukraine, it's distant to a lot of these people. They don't know it. And I know growing up with a lot of Europeans, a lot of immigrants, uh, from World War II, some even earlier from World War I, one of their, I don't want to say gripes, but one of their biggest things was uh, the civilians in America don't know what it was like to have, a, to have your country invaded, to have it bombed, shelled, all this. And they were right. We didn't have that during World War I or World War II. Okay? We had the threat of it. They lived through it. So their world experience was different than the Americans of World War I or World War II, let's say, that didn't go overseas to see the combat. So I guess that's why I'm a little more staunch. Uh, and if you want to call it a crusade that I've had for, for my whole adult life of teaching people to defend themselves in the street, um, because that is the ultimate. That's the You talk about ultimate fighting, that's truly the ultimate fighting right there. Can you defend yourself? And whoever you may be with, if you're there to defend them as well, your friends or love, you know, family or whomever, um, that's the that's the proving ground to me. You know, a couple of observations. I want to go back to that scenario you talked about the 77 year old um, and kind of with grapplers or people who do not train any striking, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, just the fundamentals, even if you spend a little bit of time working stance footwork. Uh, you know, how to parry punches. You don't have to have all those skills, just enough to know that you can weather, you know, like a 30 second barrage, you know, because sometimes, you know, a lot of people on the street maybe don't have the conditioning, but as kind of a safety mechanism, I, I work out with a couple, you know, friends around here. And I'm like, you know, your stance, your head movement, your footwork, you'll become exponentially a lot safer. You know, you don't have to be Mike Tyson necessarily, but if you get those fundamentals added to your game, even if you're like, you know, don't train in any other martial arts, if you, if you practice that consistently as part of like your, your workout, um, just shadow boxing that, um, you know, that can save you, you know, like in like, a, like that altercation that was in that guy's work, you know, if he had just had enough to be able to, you know, uh, to move and evade that guy, you know, until, you know, co-workers got in or interrupted you know he, he well let's clear, clarify the old timer that wasn't his work he was a customer that got pissed oh, off through the, okay. through the drive through window purposely came in purposely kept ranting and ranting and ranting the manager or i think he was the manager said call the police and the guy still wouldn't leave and then he finally took it the old timer took it racially and that's when the younger manager i think he was you know lost is cool one punch and it's over so rule of thumb besides keep your mouth shut is if you're going to get close yeah you better have your guard up you know you better not be like like sticking your chest out sticking your face out you know and don't square up to the guy 
ever. You're right. That's where angles and footwork and things like this come into play because um, if you are going to get hit, let's make sure it's a glancing blow uh, and, and not uh, a devastating, uh, potentially uh, fatal um, attack. And you're right. I agree with everything you said. Some practice is better than no practice, but you have to have the proper type of practice. Um, and, you know, boxing, not MMA, boxing gives you those angles and gives you that, that head movement and, you know, uh, learning how to keep your elbows in so you can protect your ribs, protect your stomach. Because let's face it, most people are not going to be conditioned, okay? Pro boxers, MMA guys, they're, they're, well, they're well conditioned. Um, or, you know, in theory. Um, and sure, boxers tend to work their abs really hard so they don't have to defend that region as much, but yet their elbows being low, they, they still use it to pick off shots because you don't want to get a broken rib. Uh, in, or in our life, you don't want to get, in a real life, you don't want to get stabbed, especially in the liver, so your elbow's going to block a knife perhaps and not open everything up. Um, there's so much to that. And, you know, MMA is set up differently because the rules are a little more wide open where they can grapple and, you know, do other things, kick. But one thing at a time, learn footwork, angles, head movement. It's good exercise. And if all of that is beyond you, then just try to disengage. Learn verbal uh, disengagement tactics. There's, there's nothing wrong with eating a little humble pie. I'd rather eat humble pie than eat a mouthful of my own teeth. Okay, so sometimes that's it. And that's I've interfered when I've seen guys argue like in bars or something. And they're going at it. And I know that it's going to escalate. Right. I'll just buy them drinks. And I don't even know these guys. Oh, let me hey, come on, guys. Stop. Come on. Let's just have a drink. This is not worth it. This is blah, 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 blah. You know, um, I just actually had to do this with a friend of mine because he was getting so worked up over his political, I mean, just worked up, veins popping, you know, jumping up. I'm like, we all love you. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Calm down. It's not worth having a heart attack or a stroke. You know, he's 71 years old. You know, nothing's going to be physical with the guy. Just drop it. You know, let's end this. And I don't think a lot of people know that. I don't think, I think they let their anger get the best of them and they don't know when to shut up. Yeah. I'm like, so, to me, it's this false sense of security. Like, you know, you've got to expect to me, you've got to, to me assume, and I've had a few other people tell me, and I'm trying to remember where they started to assert themselves a little bit more in public. And, you know, like if they were cut off in traffic and I had to warn them, like, you can't, you've got to be ready for it to go all the way. If you're going to start, you know, you be careful what you're doing here because you don't know who you're dealing with and how they may escalate it. You know, uh, you know, you just have to be ready for it to go all the way. And if you're not ready for that, then you better think of some other approach to, you know, these scenarios. And um, the other, other scenario in the news was, and this was probably at least a year ago, but I don't know if you saw it. Did you see when um, Emmanuel Macron, the president of France got slapped uh, in the face? He was approaching a line of, of people greeting him and waving, and he had his bodyguards right next to them, but he came really close to the dividing line to shake someone's hand, and they kind of, I wouldn't say sucker punch, but sucker slapped him in the face because they disagreed with his politics. I mean, he had, you know, it, it humiliated him, but the, the, the lesson was, if I'm in arm's reach of someone, 
especially strangers. Now, granted, as a political guy, but he had his bodyguards by then. They couldn't react. He couldn't react. He was too close. You know, so know your distance, especially if someone's coming at you. Uh, maybe even if they're not being hostile, but if they're just, I don't know, asking for the time or asking for directions or hand out of money, you should kind of, one of the things you and I drilled was kind of like a, a, a pseudo stance where you're not putting your dukes up. So you're clearly signaling you're fighting, but your hands are kind of up and kind of a, like I'm talking to you, but in reality is I'm very close to being, I'm almost in my stance. I've got a staggered foot stance. So I've got some stability, you know, and I'm a little bit protected. So even though they may not realize I'm heading into a fighting stance, but when someone's getting within range and it should almost be just a practiced habit of like someone's, you know, within punching or kicking range, or they could jump in for a shot to tackle me. I've got to kind of start standing and thinking about that. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think about a lot of times we'll have delivery people or someone come to the door and ring the bell, you know, they could try and force, you know, those are the moments where like, if I get too close and they've got something, maybe they can even have like a foreign object in their hand to try and, you know, that I might not see, you know, are they reaching into their pocket to grab something? Um, that's a game I play too. When I walk from the train to work, uh, to work, as I try and pay attention to what's in everybody's hands as I walk by, where are they reaching in their pockets or do they have something that could be potentially dangerous? Um, just kind of a, to make a game of it so that it becomes a habit. Yeah, well, getting back to the Macron thing first, that was a failure on the part of the bodyguards, no doubt. But you're right. Um, when you do the faux stance, the faux fighting stance, one thing is you can, you can actually land that first punch. Let's call it a punch. doesn't have to be a, a, a devastating blow. It's just buying you a little more time so you can set up for the, for the power shot. So yeah, it's always very good to do that, but you have to train that learning how to push one, two, three and get out of there. Okay. Once again, I was training some guy once who was talking, you know, martial art guy and uh, training about like these nine and 10 count punch combinations. I'm like, no, whoever taught you that does not know is not qualified to be teaching striking. And I was, I'm very blunt. You know that this is because unless the guy's completely helpless, you don't want to be in front of somebody that long. Okay. Because you will be countered. <laughs> All right. And even if, even if it's like grappling now, the guy will bear hug you or something. So you want to try to get in and out. If you're doing one, two, threes, or, you know, four punch combos, uh, make it quick and, and change your angles. Uh, so that you're not going in at a zero degree and coming out at a zero degree and constantly in that zero degree, okay? Like being in the crosshairs. So many people want to stay in the crosshairs, so to speak. That's not good. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. So you've got to start learning to work those angles, and they do not have to be terrific angles. They just have to be slight angles, okay? Because if anybody knows anything about math, geometry, those angles can – expand, so to speak. Uh, what looks like a small movement can open up a big, a larger radius. So um, it's scientific. It's heavy duty shit. And I don't mean to get, it's hard to do it like verbally. You, you almost have to see the demonstrations, but yeah, you, you have to be pre prepared. Like the thing about boxing, they always say, you know, protect yourself at all times. That means even when the referee tries to stop you or, you know, separate, you still are supposed to protect yourself. Because the opponent might still launch a punch, either intentionally or just the ref got in there a little bit too late. If you drop your guard, 
because you're just depending on the ref to protect you, you know, bad things can happen. So, yes, you have to learn to protect yourself at all times, be it verbally, be it the range that you're in, uh, having your hands up or, you know, whatever the case may be. There's many variables to protection. Uh, you need to master all of them. Anything that you don't master, you're very vulnerable. Here's another area that you just brought up of protection that people don't think about. Delivery men. Okay, so a lot of people get packages now more than ever from Amazon, this and that, especially me, because I don't leave the house that often. And many times these Amazon delivery people are in plain trucks and, you know, plain clothes. Not that it doesn't matter. I'm sure you can buy Amazon clothing. Um, be that as it may, oh, did I order something from Amazon or who is this? And you might open up the door and boom, you're not prepared for the setup. So it's like, yeah, just leave the package. I'll get it later. <laughs> you know, no matter who it is, I'm picking on Amazon, but it could be, you know, it could be any delivery. Um, don't expect, don't open the door for things that you're not expecting is what I'm getting at. You follow my drift? Oh, for sure. You know, and yeah. um, uh, another scenario, actually, I just came up with uh, Haley. She she was driving and, and got rear-ended in a car. She had a, you know, she's fine and, and everything. It was no big deal. But, um, and her scenario was where it was clearly, it was clearly like not, uh, you know, it was clearly part of what was happening with the traffic. So someone slammed on the brakes ahead of her. She had a slam on the brakes and then the person yeah. behind her hit her. So it was, clearly was not an intentional thing. But I kind of reminded her there was a, you know, and I don't know if it's the wives' tales or not, but I said, be very careful because I, I, one of my understandings is that like sometimes when you're just sitting at a stop sign, especially if you're by yourself or, you know, in kind of an isolated situation, like a, scar, a carjacking or mugging situation is where they will tap your bumper, you know, give you a bump your car. So you will step out because people instinctively get out of their car and go look at their bumper to see, oh, what was the damage? Is my car okay? Well, at that point, you've left your vehicle, you know, you're out and vulnerable. You know, so if you see a car full of guys and they tap the back of your car, you got to think about it a little bit. Maybe, you know, like, you know, does it make sense that my, that they were, you know, doing this or could this be them trying to get me out of my car? Absolutely. And, you know, if you're going to do that, you, you know, you need to be a little bit of a, here, this is, you brought up something very, very important. And that's this. And anybody who's listening to me right now, I'm going to give you a lesson to do. All of you should do this. Um, do it today or do it tomorrow. When you're in your vehicle, look through your rearview mirror, look at the car behind you, and try to decipher their license plate, reading it backwards. Get used to seeing that license plate. Now, some states I know don't have front plates, but for those that do, like here in Illinois, start learning how to see that. Because in a case like this, let's say your daughter I would have advised to drive to some place where it's populous, lit, and safe to pull over. If they cho choose to take off, well, you have their license plate, okay? You, you know now what their plate was. You should get an idea of what their car make and ma model is, just in case they're fake plates. But regardless, you got their plate. Let's do that. And um, you have something to work uh, with with the police. And any you know, cop worth their salt will, will say, yeah, you're right. You did the right thing. You know, no risk, no, no use risking your, your health and welfare. Um, as a matter of fact, in Illinois, 
well, at least in Chicago, uh, you, you, the cops won't even come for a tiny little fender bender. They, they don't want you to call them for that. Major accident, that's one thing. But they want you to exchange insurance and all of that shit. So, um, yeah, that's what I would do. You know, especially if you're rear-ended, you're not at fault. So it's not like you're doing the hit and run. Okay? Um, or if if something else happens and you you don't feel like you can do that because you're out in a rural area, uh, immediately drive. Keep Continue to drive, but immediately call 911. And you don't need to talk to a police officer. Talk to the dispatcher and say, this is the situation. I'm driving down, you know, route blah, blah, blah. I'm looking for civilization. I got rear-ended. The car is still behind me. License plates, such and such and such and such. I'm calling just in case this thing goes south. And, you know, maybe then in that instance, they'll they'll send, uh, you know, sheriffs or wherever your municipality is, they may send someone out or tell you, drive here. Come to the police station. And kind of another, kind of in line with the 911, and I think actually one of our very first episodes, we had a dispatch, uh, Nico, was it Nico's? His brother. His brother, right. Um, but kind of know where you are, right? Like a lot of people, and I, this is one of my bad habits, is I tend to drive by uh, landmark, you know, and, uh, or even like, you know, when I'm out walking around, like if I'm on 911, I should be able to tell the person, this is the address I'm at. This is, you know, I'm on this side, of, I'm on the north side of the building. You should be able to do that and just constantly always uh, check in. Do I know exactly where I'm at? You know, could I articulate that on the phone? You know, if I was in a, an emergency situation, if someone needs to come get me, you know, what intersection am I closest to? Things like that. Because I know for myself, that's not something in a lot of scenarios where I'd be able to do. You know, I, a lot of times I'm, I drift off when I'm driving and things. And then well, I end up you, you can't do that out here where I live unless you're on the main road, as you know that, because everything out here is, is country. So, yeah. It, but you're, you know, you have, yeah, you have to give them some sort of bearing. I remember a few years ago, I had a something happened with my car, and I had roadside uh, service at that time, and literally, they were not prepared to come and send a vehicle out because they wanted an actual address. I said there are no addresses. Okay, this is country here. There's, there's no, these are farms. There's no addresses here. Okay, I can tell you that. About seven minutes ago, I was, I crossed over such and such a street. I says, I have no clue the name of this street. There are no road signs. There, this is, there's nothing here. You know, um, so again, that harks back to don't always put your eggs in one basket thinking somebody's going to help you out. Because <laughs> even in that condition, in that situation, you know, nobody did. Um I would suggest, I don't know if this is, I don't know if the police want me to say this, but in, in cases like that, I would suggest, again, calling 911, hoping that they, that they have enhanced 911 or somewhere to ping your cell phone somehow so they can pinpoint your location. Because I'll tell you, some of the places around here, I mean, you could get lost forever. Um, believe me. <laughs> You know, I want to hark back to something we were talking about earlier with the ripping before I forget. I know this is kind of, uh, but, you know, you talked about, I think people need to think of uh, pain training as, as part of their conditioning. You know, uh, it, it's kind of like physiological and psychological training, I think, 
that if you're not used to that, if you're not used to someone trying to hurt you. Um, so basically, like, I guess when we think of conditioning, we tend to think of cardiovascular and muscular endurance. Those kind of things are conditioning, which are valid. That's like one of the pillars of your, there's like multiple dimensions to your, your safety training, right? Uh, you can have, I think of it as like, you know, you've got your skills and your knowledge, but if you don't have your physical conditioning, it doesn't matter, right? Because you're going to gas out. Well, the same thing with like kind of the psychological conditioning. If, you, if you're going to mentally freeze up, you know, which can happen to anybody and you shouldn't be ashamed, you need to find out how you're, try and find out how you're going to react. And it's very hard, you know, to do that. But also, like I said, I, I think of conditioning as, um, I guess it's, it's part of the thing that like a lot of people don't think about. Uh, it doesn't come up, I think, in a lot of people's training, fitness training, in, in normal uh, you know, athleticism and, and conditioning that wouldn't come up, but it's, it's something you need. So that I think oh, I, sometimes like I've seen it when people, you know, whether you take a leg kick on the thigh or you get ripped when you're grappling, if you've never been hit like that before, it, you can almost freeze in pain or go into shock or collapse. And it's something you have to build up for and deliberately build up for, you know, it has, it has to be integral part of your training. Um, and it's something that can, I think, I don't know, would you, would you agree that it's something that can, um, just like your uh, cardiovascular conditioning can decrease over time. So if you, you, you know, you can, you can build it up, but then if you haven't worked on it in a while, uh, you could lose it as well. Absolutely. So I look at it in, I look at it twofold, maybe even more than twofold, but we'll focus on twofold. Yes. Physical pain tolerance and psychological uh, uh, tolerances. Now the psychological tolerances should uh stay with you. Okay. And, and it, it tends to do that. A lot of people who have bad experiences have either PTSD or even if it isn't that severe, you know, it's just like, well, I'm never going to do that again. Or I see the warning signs now. Um, so that part is normally a little bit easier to maintain, but yes, the physical, the ripping and so on, just like movement, head movement, you lose all those skills. It's not something that will, will stay with you forever just like lifting weights or playing music, you've got to keep at it. You, but you have to make sure that you balance it out. This is why you just, you have to have a good coach that knows, you know, how far to push you. You don't want to, there's a difference between pain and injury. And another big thing I'll tell everybody out there is throw out all those internet memes and throw out all those stupid ass cliches, like winners never quit, quitters never win. That's bullshit. I've seen a lot of winners quit. We all have. Um, and there's others, you know, pain is weakness, leaving the body. And it, these are all like, you know, quasi motivational things that can actually do a lot more harm than good. You don't need any of that. You just need to do it. Just do it because you know, this is what you need to do. That's all you have to understand. Forget the, forget the damn cliches. Some of those are, uh, I just think, counterproductive at times because it'll set you up for like a loss. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of quitter, quitters win. I've seen a lot of cheaters prosper. Cheaters never prosper is another thing. I've seen a lot of cheaters prosper. Okay. Don't get caught up in that shit. Just do what you know you have to do. And like learning to rip the right way. Not so you're wasting your time and not controlling the opponent. Learning to rip should be as important to you as learning to eat properly, learning to chew your food and, and swallow the right way and all that jazz. It's got to be a part of your life. If it isn't, then you're, uh, 
You may be finding yourself, oh, here's a cliche. You may be finding yourself on the outside looking in. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So all, all, any cliche you can argue, there's always a cliche that says the opposite. Yeah. You know, so, you know, like look before you leap, but he who hesitates is lost. Well, what, what do I do? You know, like. And, you just ignore the cliches, right? You right. just do what you know you need to do. And I'm saying, you know, if you can find something that makes you feel proud or inspires you, that's one thing. But sometimes people take these mantras as words to live by. And they're, no, no, no. Because I've seen situations like with these positive thinkers. I've seen situations that are futile, okay? There's no, there's no way, it just won't be positive, okay? There's no, any positive you try to put on it is a, is a lie. It's a spin. And sometimes acceptance is the best thing. This, you know, that's why I consider myself a realist. Realists don't mean you're right. Realist just means you're seeing things as they are without putting any kinds of different colored shades on it. All right. Um, so that's how I try to live my life. Uh, and I would rather be a little wrong and end up more defensive than to be wrong and not defensive and get and get harmed. That, that, you know, so it's all about protection. And there's, there comes a time when we talked about this before, and we, I think we kind of touched on it earlier today, um, you know, getting into a street scenario or something like that, whatever, you know, could you have to expect it that somebody may die here, uh, you know, better him than me. That's how you have to look at it. You know, and if you can't, if that is not in your makeup, if you're, if you are the ultimate pacifist, fine, then you have to make other uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Other arrangements in, in complete and 100% conflict avoidance. And uh, that that's kind of hard to do in a, in a large society. If you're isolated, that's one thing, but you know. One of the cliches I hate uh, is that if it doesn't kill you, it only makes you stronger. Uh, yeah. Because clearly- That's certainly not that, true. Yeah, I mean, there's things that will- permanently disable you and make you weaker and worse off for the rest of your life. I hate those. The, the, yeah. That's just one that always frustrated me because yeah, sometimes you get into something that, yeah, it's going to be, it'll just be worse for you forever. <laughs> and even if you survive it. Um, one thing I was going to, when you were talking about some kid, you went to school, the story I thought you were going to bring up, which is I think an important reminder when it comes to street fighting, wasn't there some kid that got into a fight in your school and he bit the other kid in the junk? Wasn't there? Some yeah, story? exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. They were not wrestlers. They were not wrestlers, but they were, you know, they were grappling, you know, people don't, you know, and yeah. And uh, yeah, he bit the kid and it was easy because we had to wear dress pants. You know, this was Catholic. So, uh, you know, it was very, very accessible. And yeah, he just, just bit him right, right down there. And man, um, what a scene, because I can't speak for anybody else, but at first, I didn't know, I didn't know what happened, okay, at first, right? Um, this is before I started wrestling, you know, um, so I, I didn't know anything about wrestling at that point in time. It's grade school, and uh, like early, like fourth, fifth or sixth grade, something like that, and uh, then we seen the kid just crying, like, oh, he's on the ground, and... 
<laughs> and then the other kid, <laughs> I think he regrets doing, regretted doing this because it's funny now because he chopped off <laughs> and he goes, I bit him in the dick. I bit him. In the dick. <laughs> I like that he's celebrating. He was bragging about it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Man, you don't want to do that uh, around a bunch of guys, man. Even at that age, you know, we we kind of knew shit already. Um, so yeah, he had a... offer him. Did you guys at least offer him mouthwash? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lesson to be learned. You know, uh, people getting their ears bit off and shit. Um, you know, this, this, they, that, another thing in Cleveland, they used to call it getting souvenirs where there was rival gang, biker gangs, um, and they would chop somebody's ear off. They would literally slice the ear off, okay? Um, so it can, it can get really savage. But yeah, the, the whole point is uh, you just don't want to, you don't realize how bad things can get. Uh, they can get ferocious. And anybody, oh, well, here. I just read this this week. I remember the person's name was Harvey, first name. Uh, quote, unquote, a woman, but apparently it was a transgendered person who had already done two previous stints in jail. This is New York. Uh, for murder, both times, right? 83 years old, shopping at a Home Depot. They have this all on video in one of those motor scooters she, he, whatever, gets up to get something, and they see a leg in the shopping cart, in, in, the, in the, uh, you know, the, the scooter. Turns out that this 83-year-old person uh, uh, murdered and chopped up, had, had the person's head in a bucket, 83 years old, and, and used the Sawzall to cut some woman up that apparently they were living together or whatever. Um, so... I bring that up to say, look, 83 years old and is chopping people up. So you just cannot take anyone lightly. I don't mean to make everybody paranoid, but, but damn, man, this is, um, this is the real world out there. There's butchers. There's, there's people who are psychopaths. There's people who are legitimately uh, you know, schizophrenic, they'd hear things and follow orders, you know, that, that they're, that they hear in their head, son of Sam, you know, taking orders from a dog and shit. You know, you have this kind of stuff uh, that exists in this world. And sometimes it could be someone that's among you, you know, in your little circle. And you don't even know. There was a chopper that lived a street away from me in Elmwood Park. He got released. I guess he had chopped his wife up years before and they let him out of the mental institution. I used to see him walking down the street, talking to himself and shit. I'm like, who's this guy? I was new in the neighborhood. And they're like, Oh, that's, we call him the chopper, you know, some Italian guy. And he cut his wife all up and shit. Um, and here, this guy lived a block away. You, you don't know. So, I mean, again, you know, act with caution. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I remember getting when I was a young man in Cleveland, not a boy, but young man, 18, 19, uh, some guy said to me, cause we live by, well, you know where I live, but you know where we remember the PLAV club that they wouldn't let us in Joe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So it, it happened there and you know how close that was. That's probably like three quarters of a mile from Lake Erie. 
And the, the guy said to me, he gave me some advice because he knew I didn't, I didn't have a father or anything. He's like, don't ever go into a boat with a stranger. And, and they already knew about my, how tough I was, but it, it don't matter how tough you are. <laughs> you know, don't go into a boat with strangers, period, with a stranger. And he's right because, the you know, you're not looking, you bash your head, they tie you, you know, they put something around you, they throw you in Lake Erie, you're never going to be found again, okay? Um, and I remember that and, and vividly. And he was like, and his name was Tony as well, and he was a jeweler, Tony the jeweler. Um, and he's like, it don't matter how tough you are, <laughs> you know, just don't do it. <laughs> right. And I, I always took advice like that, you know, and sometimes I'll listen to advice that I know is dead wrong. So that's still good advice. Cause now I know don't listen to that advice, that type of advice, but his advice, um, is, is always been great. You know, don't just, you just don't know, you never know what you're going to get yourself into. So and people who look like they're your friends, and I don't mean somebody that like we known each other for years, but just people that you just met, right? Uh, or very briefly, it could all be a setup, especially if, if you have something that they may want. And sometimes that thing that they want is nothing more than bloodlust. They have a sickness that they need to harm people. They don't, any, they may not even want anything physical from you. Okay, they, you know, monetarily, you know, tangible, they may just want your, uh, your demise, people are, you know, psychotic. So you just have to, you know, this is all about this, this is all training and awareness, you know, to, to keep your guard up at all times, not just physically, but emotionally and, and, uh, you know, and mentally, using your cognitive abilities. You know, you mentioned that not getting into a boat with a stranger, uh, you know, also be careful in elevators, even though that's not as, you know, as isolated as a boat. If you see someone in it, you know, like a lot of people will just get into an elevator with, you know, if it's just them and some stranger, um, you know, keep in mind you're being locked, well, not locked in, uh, but you're in, in, in an enclosed space with someone you may not know, you know. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you get a, the spidey sense, but basically pay attention to who you're getting on the elevator with. And if you need to, you know, like, if you just let it go, you know, even if you have to be impolite, I think a lot of times people too are, uh, worried about being rude or making someone feel bad and they'll put themselves into a situation, you know, um, that can be riskier for them. So, you know, like if you, the door opens on an elevator and you see someone that the flag goes up on you, just let the elevator go. You say, I'll get the next one, you know? Or act like you got something like you, you you know you're waiting for you hit the wrong button or something you want it to go up when it was supposed to go down but just exactly that's the best way of handling that yep you know uh, but you know um, and you know just even like like uh, when you're in apartment living or work one of the the things you have to pay as far as being rude and uh, people are so used to wanting to be kind that they leave themselves vulnerable uh, one of the tricks I know is like you know, you, if you walk up to a door, like in, in an apartment building that's enclosed, you just wait for someone to go in and you just have your hand, like you maybe have a box or a bag of groceries. They'll, you can kind of tailgate behind them and they'll usually hold the door for you because they think, oh, I can't get to his keys or whatever. Very few times will people say, hey, you know, do you live here? You know, how do I know you? You know, that kind of stuff. They, we're very apt to let people in where maybe we don't, we shouldn't. Yeah. Um, very true. And uh yeah. But then, too, now you have these vigilantes as well that are going a little over the top. And, you know, if the person can 
can prove that they live there somehow, you know, and, and, and I say somehow because in, in, in the uh, par- apartment complex thing, you know, there could be different security measures, right? Um, if they can prove it, then you got to let, you know, let these people go, you know, but yeah, you, you have to be very aware. It's, it's all about awareness, but you don't want to turn into a Karen, you know, where you're, you know, actively being some sort of vigilante that that's looking for trouble. Um, you'll get weeded out relatively quickly. Uh, but yeah, you just got to watch out for these, uh, these scams. And, and that happens a lot. Um, pickpockets, you know, some person is going to stop and ask you on the street. Oh, you know, in the crowd in Chicago, let's say, Hey, can you tell me how to get to Lincoln and Lawrence? Meanwhile, somebody else is picking your pocket. They're working in teams. Okay. Um, you don't know, you know, there's just so many different ways of getting worked over. Uh, I'll tell you when that happened to me years and years and years ago, I was bouncing at this bar. And uh, I wasn't the doorman, though, but I was inside. So then, uh, so I co- I had a little bit of time. That was happening. So I, I walk up to the door guy. We're bullshitting. <clears throat> we see a couple guys out in front drinking beer. So we walk outside. Hey, guys, you can't bring alcohol outside. Take those bottles back in. <laughs> As it turned out, these are underage kids. That was their scam. They got somebody <laughs> to buy them beer. They were pretending they were drinking it outside. <laughs> hoping to get thrown into the bar as, a, as opposed to getting thrown out of the bar. I shouldn't be saying this now because I'm giving people around the, you know, giving them ideas, but yeah, that was classic. I, I, we, the bartender caught it, but you know, thankfully no, no harm, no foul, but you kind of have to admire that kind of ingenuity, but, uh, but yeah, seriously, you've got to watch yourself because anything can happen. And normally it's like at times when you're off guard, you know, uh, when you least expect it, perhaps. Um, so you always expect something. Keep your, uh, and I've known this even in my personal life. Not Now, this is not street fighting. But when my gut feeling tells me, don't trust this person, male or female, eh, Tony, maybe you ought to let it go, you know, I give, give the, you know. Well, sure enough, man, I get burned. And, you know, because they turn out to be scum. So, that's why now for years I've, I've clamped down and you know me, I'm very hard to get to know. I'm very friendly and outgoing when I'm out, but getting to know me, getting into my inner sanctum, that's a little different. You know, uh, you know, even out here, I, and I've been here eight years. Very few people have been to my house. Now I'm not talking about you guys, but I'm saying people from out here. Okay. Very few have been to my house. I just don't, I just don't trust people anymore. Okay. So um, more people have been to my house that have trained try C and shit like that. That's what I'm talking about, but not locals. I just, I don't, I just don't want people waltzing around, seeing what I have, this, that, whatever. I, you know, no, thanks. I've been burned too many times. How often do you even know how often, like when you're just out and about, do you check behind yourself? I try constantly, if you ever notice, if, if, if we're out in a public place, like a bar or something like that, uh, first of all, I like to sit at the bar. I don't like to sit at, at, at a table, but I like it if the bar has a mirror, okay? 
Um, so I can, I'll, if that's the case, I'm always looking. And I move around constantly, and I do that intentionally. Um, and I've trained myself to do that. I mean, I don't do that if I'm the only person there, naturally, you know, because I'll know who's coming in and out, because I, I always have an eye on the door. Um, but because then it's not, it doesn't give off a bad vibe. People say, oh, Tony's always liked it. He's always moving. And I'm very territorial when in, in places that I go regularly. I like my seat, and I pick that seat, seat out for strategic purposes, okay? I, that's a seat that's not going to lock me in. You know, it's not going to be an area where I'm trapped. It's also going to be an area where I can recruit objects if need be, improvise weapons. It's going to allow me access to the door uh, so I can, if, ha- if need be, get somebody out, even though I'm not officially the bouncer there, if I can get somebody out, uh, I don't have to drag them all the way across the bar, you know, to get them out and run, run risks. So I'm very strategic about where I sit. And there are times where if I am somewhere and none of those conditions can be met, I'm very uncomfortable. And I, I, I'd rather go. Uh, you brought up a question of improvised weapons. When do you go for those? So when do you, you know, uh, when do you let it escalate to that? Well, you, well, if you've let it escalate to that, then you've, you you, it's a little too late. Okay. It's like, now you have to remove the tumor where it would have been best to get it treated uh, with, you know, before it had to get removed. Um, I get to be, well, because I can be intimidating. So a lot of times I can just squash things just by spreading my wings, so to speak, let, let, let people know straight out. You've made a decision to enter into the dark zone now, and I swear to you, sir, I truly hope you have your affairs in order because things are not ever going to be the same in your life again, okay? I'll talk to somebody plainly like that, and they'll, they'll get the sense that I'm going to back it up. If, not this, if, if I get any kind of rebuttal, like, who do you think, anything like that, it's on, okay? I'm not even going to let them finish the sentence. It's all over. Um, for others... If you see somebody with a cue stick in their hand, not, 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 not that they picked one up, you know, for this instance, but if, if the shit happens over a pool table, because, you know, I've shot a lot of, a lot, a lot of pool. So I'm very uh, cognizant of getting clubbed with a cue stick. <laughs> all right. So you want to make sure that you at least have your cue in the hand too. All right. Um, or if you can pick up a cue ball, a pool ball, uh, you know, but that's a one-time deal. You sh- you sl- throw that at them, you miss. Normally what it is, it's beer bottles. Um, back in the old days, they used to have glass ashtrays. Yeah, you could use an ashtray. Um, always have access to a chair because if this guy pulls a knife on you or even a cue stick, let's say, and you have distance, the chair is a very good uh, barricade. You can use that chair to your great advantage. And that's something that I think everybody should practice, especially people who like to go out and drink. Um, Are you, and that sounds weird, but are you strong enough to lift that chair? Are you strong enough to wield that chair as a weapon? Okay. And if you go to, if you go to someplace like regularly, why don't you like go there one day when they open, just go there right when they're open and be the only one there and pick up a chair and just, you know, see, see what you could do with it in case you need to use it. Right. 
if you're a, if you're if you're a heavy drinker or you like to get buzzed on on drugs or something like that, uh, practice fighting. Train train when you're buzzed. Train when you're drunk on your ass, so you know exactly how you're going to react, and then you're going to know at what level at what you know where am I in my physical level here that I'm going to need a little bit of help, i.e. improvised weapons. But since I don't personally, I don't carry. I'm the weapon. I don't carry knives or shit like that or anything. Uh, if I sense that you have something, I'm going to grab something as well. I don't care what it is. If you have, if you're, if this guy's hand is on his beer bottle while he's talking to me, like threatening, um, I'm going to be aware of that. And I, I may even tell him, and I'm sure I've done this in the past, get your hand off that beer bottle. You know, I'm sure I've done something. Maybe not in those exact words. I've cleaned it up for the airwaves, but uh, you know, and, or if they're if they're making some intimidating, you know, like they're pounding their beer bottle or doing something to try to like intimidate you, that there is the uh, that's the bridge. If you show any sort of weakness there, that moment, um, you're in trouble. That's when you have to e- escalate it. The second I see somebody trying to act like a tough guy, they're done. There's no more. That's the bridge that got crossed, and. You know, just when the police come, you know, I feared for my life. He made threatening gestures. And I think we talked about this once before. I learned this trick from Johnny Lear, the great boxer. Scream it out as you're whooping his ass. I'm in fear for my life. I'm in fear for my life as you're beating his ass. So everybody here in the bar is a witness that you were you were saying you were afraid for your life. So that's another that's another ploy you could use. But I just I can back it up. Now, I know people, there's people that can't. So that's a whole different, they have to approach things a little bit differently. Well, the other thing, and I, I guess it should go is that, I mean, obviously, like, we have to mention that you have to assume people are armed too, right? You shouldn't assume that people, especially in, in you know, North America here. I mean, people are packing you know, whether it's uh, nice for utility or, you know, guns. I mean, it's so pervasive. Yeah, that's why I'm going to strike first. I'm not going to wait around for this shit. Okay. Because I've, I've been on the receiving end uh, of, I've been on the receiving end. Okay. Where they, you know, well, you know that I got shot. I stabbed all this shit that was, there's nothing I could do about it. It just happened instantly. There was no chance for me to act first. Um, but every time I was able to act first, I kind of was okay. All right. I came out of it relatively unscathed. And, you know, it's a gamble, you know, because you are looking at potentially, you know, legal issues. But I, I just don't want, you know, trouble. I got over here. I got slashed in the face. The asshole. I told you about this in Cleveland. I showed you where it happened. I think he was going for my neck. But thankfully, he got my my face over here, my jawline and shit, you know, um, that's not cool. That's not, that's not a good thing. So, you know, what are you going to do? So for me, yes, I, if I can't talk it down in a short period of time, then, you know, then it's on, you know, no more talking here. And I think that's one thing though, you have to kind of know where you're at. This, it helps because a lot of people are just blowhards. They're not really going to fight. They they just want to blow off steam. So if you can sense that, or if you if you have a little indicator that 
this guy's all just full of shit, then you can go along with it. Just kind of like, don't patronize a guy, kind of make it like sincere, you know, learn a little bit of acting skills, I guess, you know, guy, you know what? I think I can see your point. You know what? Give me a few. Let me just shut up a minute. Let me think about this. Cause I, I, I think I can come around to your way of thinking. Tell you what, let's have a drink. My treat. Let me think about this. Right. Sometimes that may be the approach to take. Um, <laughs> who knows? But that's where experience comes into play. And that's this, these are scenarios that you can't universally practice, but these are little things that you, little tricks that you can put in your ditty bag so you can pull them out when you may need them. Like we had Scott on here a couple of weeks ago. We, I don't, I don't, we should have talked about this. <clears throat> Scott was going through some hard times and we got into it with, he did with six gangbangers and, and a young girl. They were all young. They were all in their twenties. And Scott just was on the girl. He just was attracted to the girl early in the morning. These people were drinking, drinking from the night before. And um, it went for a little bit. And then finally I knew that this, it was almost at a point of no return. And I went up to the guy that I assumed was the leader of the group. And I basically said, look, okay, this is, this is going to get ugly. I said, I know my friend's in the wrong. I can't control him. I said, he's just going through a rough time. He's out of control. I says, he can't fight. I says, I know you guys are ready to fight us. So unfortunately, I'm going to save you guys from a murder rap because you'll kill him. I says, but I, I'm going to have to fight for the guy. Okay. So I'm going to be a little bit hard to tangle with. You guys will probably end up ahead, but I, I'm going to get one or two of you. I don't want to really do it. Let's see how it ends up. You know, if I'm still okay afterwards, maybe we'll all get a pitcher of beer or some shit. Well, the pitcher of beer part was right because I couldn't buy another drink as long as I was there. These guys thought I was the coolest, downest guy um, because I stuck 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 up for my 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 buddy, and I didn't really escalate it. But I wasn't a pussy either. I let them know you're going to get the fight you want. It's just going to be with me, not with him. And my heart's not in it, but I got to do it. And I was being very sincere because I was fed up with Scott. I really was. I was pissed because I don't want this. I don't need this kind of bullshit. Um, and he was, Scott was in the wrong. Um, but I can't sell my butt. You can't, I can't sell him out. Okay. I'm just not going to be that way. So now it could have backfired. They could have said, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Six on, on one. Okay. You know, I, I fought multiple assailants before. You know, let's. What key are we going to do this in? That's all I want to know. Give me any key changes. You know, don't throw surprises at me. But it worked out. It really did. It actually worked out quite well. You know, I was going to go back to the um, kind of your thing of because everybody, you know, you have to assume everybody's armed, that you want to initiate and try and take them out quickly. Um, you know, and I'm assuming. Let me interrupt you there. Let, let me okay. interrupt you there. Okay. Mm -hmm. You should be aware of everyone in there. And one of the first things that you want to be aware of is even if you're in, a, you can practice this in a friendly spot is check people out and come to the, find out, look and see if they're right-handed or left-handed. Okay. That's, that's going to be, believe me, a big advantage in a fight. Okay. 
because if they're, you know, most right-handers are not going to put the gun on their left side, okay? So you're, you're going to have a little bit of an advantage of knowing if his right hand is reaching, you know, for his pocket, he's, he's probably got something going on. Um, so, you, you know, if you already know that he's a right-hander before this all starts, so you can, you can really focus in on where that right hand is and conversely the left hand. So go ahead. Well, exactly. Actually, you're kind of anticipating where I'm going with this. So, you know, you, you know, you try and rough him up with a punch or a kick. You try and, you know, like a kick to the groin or, you know, give him a, a, a cross and a hook to try and drop him. But then is your next priority to, to disable that, that dominant hand? So, cause that Correct. to me is like their next, so like, you know, whether you're going for a double wrist lock or top wrist lock, like I've got to, because they may be going for a gun next, you know, if I haven't knocked them out, I should try and disable that arm. Like that, is that a high priority target or like number two? Well, uh, yes, it's a very high priority. Like I told you that time that they, that guy tried to get me at the ATM on Irving Park Road. I had no idea if he was right-handed or left-handed. So I broke both of his arms. Okay. I got the, I think I got the left one first. And then I spun around, I got the right hand, the right arm, you know. So, uh, yeah, I don't care. I mean, and I told you, that's when my girlfriend at the time was bitching at me about it afterwards. You know, she wasn't there. But, you know, when I called her on the phone and I, was, I realized that I was cut and shit. Um, yeah, no, you, you have to, <clears throat> you know, I had a friend that once told me, Eddie used to say, you know, the fight's really not over until three continuances and a judge's ruling. And. Really, he's right about that, but also that fight is not over in that moment in time, uh, even if the person claims they voluntarily gave up, okay? That, per that fight's not over even if the person either leaves or gets thrown out of the bar by you or, or wherever, by you or somewhere, somebody else, okay? Never think that your troubles are over because they're not. Because you, because there's getbacks all the time, so you have to make sure that you get home safely. And further, furthermore, and this could be troublesome for some people, especially if you're drinkers. Uh, I always advocated on a fight like that where you know that there's a high priority of some trouble. Don't ever take the direct ride home. Do not do that. Okay, don't take your normal route, and be highly alert that you're not being followed because they may not get you even that night. They may try to find out where you live. And, and, and this is another thing about locals, you know, your local wa watering hole and shit. Watch out for big mouths, you know, because somebody, either, either that person you just got into a fight with or one of their associates could come in on another day, you know, inadvertently or pretending to be a police officer, ask for information about you. Once again, to try to find out where you live. See, so there's a lot more to this than just the fight at hand. But you were being specific about that. Yeah, you 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 need to neutralize that person. And that's why, like on a snap, no tap, I show how to frisk. One of the best things that you can do is once you disable somebody, um, and if you can get somebody innocent that's willing to help, get them in a good hold down. You know, where you're where you're where you have control of his arms and then have somebody else frisk him for you while he's on the ground or whatever. Okay. Just so you can kind of clear the weaponry thing. All right. Um take off his belt, take off his shoes, whatever, because those are hiding spots too. So you have to watch. Uh you, you just have to be prepared. Again, this is all about awareness and preparedness. But 
I'm trying to tell everybody out there, believe me, the fight is almost never over when you think it's over. It's only just begun. So always be prepared. You know, like divorce, when people go through divorce, they think signing the papers, the divorce papers, I mean, that's just the beginning of your problems. From what I've, I've heard stories of people that divorces have dragged on and on and on, the troubles just get worse. So this can happen to you too. Just please be careful. Um, oh yeah, as far as the divorce, I have a buddy, and because they have kids, I mean, they're divorced, but they still have to be in contact all the time, and so the the harassing still goes on. You know, they're still able to, you know, mess with each other because they have to be in contact. Uh, so yeah, they even been they've been divorced for years, um, but that's that's more relationship advice than I guess self defense advice. But um, kind of to your point about the driving home too, and something that I uh, a tip that you've given me, and I think it's important is trying to be. Um, unpredictable and irregular in your patterns so like for me like just i walk my dog right but i have a certain i caught myself that i'd walk them in certain patterns at certain times of the day and i'm trying to break that up now just i don't think actually anybody's out to get me but it's just to be practiced to be habitually you know um you know messing with my pattern so if i feel myself getting into a rut whether it's the way i drive to work the how i walk to the train if I take the train and maybe I'm going to drive some days, um, you know, where I go to eat, just trying to, like I said, make it a kind of a, a pattern in your life, not to have patterns. Yeah. Systematically unsystematic. Um, and that's exactly right. You want to try to break up your patterns as much as possible. There is something else that I want to say, and it may be controversial and I don't care. Obviously I don't give a shit anymore. Um, but no matter Okay, so some t- we people tend to, all of us tend to live in some sort of a bubble, right? And we, like martial artists, may tend to hang around other martial artists or, you know, this, that, you know, musicians hang around other musicians and, you know, this and that. Well, I'm going to tell all the grapplers out there, it, 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 I don't care how great you are or, or even if you're a beginner, if you're hanging out in a place and you're like a regular and people know, okay, yeah, he's a martial art, you know, he's a black belt in, in, you know, whatever style, he's a grappling guy. The general public still don't probably doesn't know anything about this. It's not as popular worldwide as people think. And in America, especially if you're on your, if you're on the bottom, if you're on your back, even though we know that there's a lot of offensive things that can be done, you're still looked at. I don't care what anybody says by the general public as the loser, right? So if this is a place that you normally hang out at and you get into it with someone and let's say you're a jiu-jitsu guy and you purposely fall on your back and this guy's on top, he may not even land a punch, but he's on top and then it's all all of a sudden broken up and the fight's over, um, you're going to be labeled the loser. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right frigging now, Okay. Because even though you may not have been, even though you may have already been ready to get something on them, uh, you're going to be labeled the loser. This is just the, the way society is over here. This, this is just all there is to it. And, and that may hurt your ego. Okay. It, it just might. But I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. It, it just is. So you have to be braced for that as well. So you're, you may have to alter all of your strategies for the fight. And some guys may not care. They may like, oh, I don't care what they think of me. Well, that, that's fine. You're, you're a stronger guy. But some guys, 
they're, they, you know this, Joe, we've met, we've met some that are all about the ego. So, you know, me, when I go out, um, I never wear anything martial art related uh, or, you know, anything like that, right? Nobody would know. Um, I, I dress, I try to dress halfway decent because my goal in going out is not to fight or not to, minus the, the blend in as much as I can, not stick out like a sore thumb. I, I, I don't want to draw any more attention to myself than I have to. But yeah, I just want to, I just want to point that out because, um, you know, it, I've, I've, I've seen this happen with guys in Chicago, you know, where I know that the one guy was a, you know, I I don't think he was a black belt or anything, but he was like a purple belt, you know, fairly good. And he got into it with somebody and, you know, yeah, he just flopped and the other guy threw like one or two punches. And then I couldn't even get over there in time because it happened a little bit further down and it got broken up right away, but it was all about, you know, the ass kicking and, couple days later yeah they were mumbling around everybody yeah he ain't so tough man he, that guy had his had him flat on his ass <laughs> hmm. so it's perception perception is is sometimes really important well that's the least of your worries honestly because i mean i get it joe but for some people that is a big no, thing it, it, well it's ego, something to think know? about it but i mean just also to to your point i guess about going to your back and actually this actually came up at jason's school uh talking about it after we were working out um, and he was reminding his guys and rightfully so, I mean, um, you know, don't be tempted by, you might have all these great moves and you, there's a lot of things you can do from there, but that is not where you want to be. You know, you want to be on top if you're on the ground and stay on top, you know, the, there's kind of, the, so I think that ethic is starting to get out there. Well, actually I'll go even further. You don't want to be on the ground, right? If you're on the ground, be on top. So to me, it's like, you know, and it's kind of this weird thing because they, you know, uh, some grapplers will spend 80%, 75, 80% of their training on their back and they're great at it. They can do these miraculous things. You know, they're just super slick down there, but uh, they're really, that should be your, your last, you, you should be. And the thing is, I would agree with the statement. You need to be confident no matter what position is somehow you end up being put on your back. You, you shouldn't also avoid that. I think you need to do, conversely, I think you need to spend time there learning how to get out of there, how to, you know, how to defend the strikes because, you know, uh, like we had our guest Blaine here, you know, if I squared up against Blaine, he got his hands on me, he'd probably put me on my back and I'd have to work to get up or up. Like, you know, at his size sure. difference experience, he's going to put me on my back and I'm going to have to work to get out of there. So I have to be it, it shouldn't be alien to me or, or, or psychologically traumatizing to me to fight from there if I have to, but I don't also just be, that shouldn't be my first move. Like this is where I'm going for, you know? Oh, and just, in this instance, that's what the guy did. He purposely flopped, you know, he butt flopped, which was, you know, and I knew that the guy never had a real, uh, I don't even think he ever had a, any even sparring. He was just a grappler strictly, you know? And um, I mean, who knows how it would have turned out. Um, I don't think it really would have turned out well because of the way the situation was, you know, the, the room, there wasn't enough room for him to really do much. You know, he, he was moments away from being pushed up against, you know, um, the corner of the wall. Um, but who knows? It's, it's speculation, but all I'm saying is his, his reputation was pretty much shot in that place. Um, so that's just something to, you know, to bear in mind, but yeah. Uh, you're better off sometimes if you don't feel good, 
I mean, if you think you can talk your way out of it, let's say you're not feeling well or you're dressed up in a tuxedo because you're going to your, your best friend's wedding, you know, you, you, you may have to really think about totally avoiding, avoiding all of this. Or, you know, you, there, there's, there's, there's so much more than just black and white, okay? So many people live in that black and white area of life. I live in the gray area, okay, where there's so many subtleties. There's so many other things to, to think about. Um, and I just wish more people started to think a little bit like that. Think out of the box because not everything is, is cut and dry. It, it just isn't, you know. Uh, and I could buy it any day now. You know, I could, I could get, you know, cold conked and, you know, all of that jazz. And if it happens, it happens. You know, I have to, uh, if I come out of it, I have to learn how to accept it and, and, and move on uh, with it, analyze it and all of that. Nobody is impervious. Uh, you know, shit, a sniper can take me out, okay, from a mile away. You know, um, how am I going to defend against that? You know, these are just things that you just have to accept. And, you know, take – that's why I brought up this being on your back. You've got to kind of take your ego out of it because, hey, the guy was on his back. You know, it was he was on his back. Everybody's riding him now, razzing him that, you know, he's not that good of a fighter. So he ended up quit, – he quit hanging out there. Um all right, that was his choice, but you, you've got to be able to expect, you know, blowback. Um, I know that most people are against me in certain circumstances because, like Kevin, that got killed, used to say, they want to see the big guy fall. Now, everybody wants to see that guy lose. You know, if they sense that you're no longer the underdog, they're going to root against you. If they think you're the underdog – you know, you're going to have these people rallying behind you. And, you know, that's just food for thought. For, well, there's a cliche. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's something to think about. Underdogs, in, at least in America, tend to have, uh, you know, people behind them. So uh, that's why I think sometimes when you walk in, you know, you got all this martial art regalia all on you and this, hey, you do what you want to do, man. Uh, but you kind of – you know, you know, and if you're a bully, especially if you're a bully, you're really setting yourself up for a fall. Uh, because even if you win the fight, police like to interview people. <laughs> so if, if people in the bar or wherever it's at, restaurant, whatever, is, is holding a grudge against you, uh, they're not apt to be on your side in this situation. These are just factors that, again, you have to think about. It just pays to be a nice guy. It pays to voluntarily help innocent people out. Okay? This is one of the things that I judge, especially women on, if I want to date them. How do they treat strangers? I don't care how they treat their friends as much. I'll get to that once I get to know them. Obviously, if they're your friends, you're going to probably treat them all right, unless they're sycophants and they like abuse. But how do you treat strangers? If you're mean, rotten, nasty to a stranger, then you're a rotten person inside. And it's the same thing with, you know, your, your training, martial arts. I feel that we have an obligation, just as a doctor would. If somebody got sick in the house, uh, at the restaurant, I think a doctor has a, maybe not legally, but morally an obligation to help. 
I think that we have an obligation to help. I, at Charlotte's and other places, they used to know me as, I like to bully the bullies. You know, all these old timers, that got bullied by some guy or whatever. I would always say, point him out to me. Next time he's in here, point him out. You know, and I would, I've always confronted these people, always. Um, and the bullying stopped. And I think that's the best, and you, you know, it's not about beating people up and it's just confronting them, confronting the bully, standing up to the bully and letting them know it, you can't bully here anymore. Okay. So I admire people who can stand up for, for the weaker people there. Cause there are people out here that cannot, you know, this, that cannot physically defend themselves and even verbally can't because they may have a heart condition or they're whatever. Um, they just fall to pieces. You, you got to stand up. You, you just do. Uh, some people just aren't built that way, but I am. I'm built that way. I will stand up for the person. You know that. Well, I, so I think the general thing is, A, keep your awareness about you. Think about your safety. And also just in your training and in your practice, keep the bigger picture in mind. Don't just be thinking about techniques and, and things of that nature, but think about events leading up to it and events that could happen afterwards. Uh, you know, you've got to keep the big picture in mind as to what's going, what can happen afterwards and what's leading up to it. You know, start thinking about making a deliberate plan. If you start to see trouble starting to brew, you know, start. Well, that's something I wanted to talk about. We don't have the time now about understanding um, cells and swarms, especially in groups. Maybe we'll do it if you, if you can remember this or write it down or something, because I won't remember. <laughs> we can talk about this another time, <clears throat> but soon, because people are going to start picnicking and all of that jazz, or not picnicking, but, you know, going back out in mass um, out here. Um, yeah, you, you, you have to start being able to make, make yourself aware and, um, and understand that urban combat like that we're facing is completely different than any sort of urban military combat. All right. Uh, and do not ever equate the two because they're they're different, both physically and psychologically and legally. Um, so in certain instances, theirs is more dangerous. In certain instances, your ours is more dangerous. Um, and I'm you know, I'm just I'm, I'm telling you now that this is a deep subject that I think. I think the martial arts world needs a, uh, a reset button. Uh, I, I think that there needs to be far more focus on true reality-based training and, and scenarios. Um, and if, 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 a, if somebody wants to be strictly a sportsman, then I think there needs to be a fork in the road where sports goes one way, street uh, reality goes the other, and then somewhere along the way there'll be bridges. So if they want to cross over one way or the other, you can have those bridges to cross over. Um, but it, 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 we need to get that focus back, back onto that. And uh, I hope it happens in my lifetime. We'll see. I'm not making any predictions one way or the other. I literally have no idea. 
Yeah, and that's a whole other conversation. We have to say that because the the sportive versus the the self defense. Because in some ways, you need both. We've talked about this the whole time. You know, there's people who train self defense to techniques all the time, but they don't, you know, uh, push themselves athletically. You know, and they don't. And and there's you know, and it's so it's 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 like it's not an either or. You need both in your training regimen, and um, and be real about what what applies to what. You know, generally. The sport guy can pretty much prove what that his techniques will or will not work in a sport environment. I can't say the same for for a lot of the self defense trainers. They cannot prove that that shit that they're learning is going to work in a self defense environment because many of them, not all, many of them are never going to be in that self defense environment. Or the 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 the, uh, the techniques that they're being taught are. Uh, so weapon oriented that they may not be walking free, you know, afterwards, they may be in a jail cell for 20 years. Okay. Um, so that is a big obstacle to overcome. I would venture to say coming from going from sport to, to, first of all, you have to get these self-defense instructors. They have to actually learn legitimate self-defense techniques. Okay truly legitimate stuff that and that that has to be it has to be tested not once not anecdotally but in-depthly okay um so it that's about all i can say at that point but there needs to be cross-pollination for sure and the self-defense people have or the uh, sportive people have to know that um you know their their vulnerabilities and the self-defense people have to be aware of their vulnerabilities and uh you know not live on the hype okay i, I i've i've heard a lot of people that do self-defense oriented stuff right away talk about their system that they've learned their style it's combatives it's israeli it's you know, uh, Korean uh, special forces or, you know, or, you know, whatever, Spetsnaz, this, that, you know, that's not, it's not really relevant here. What are your techniques? How good are they being applied? How have they been battle tested? Don't just take military words for it because you're not in a military setting. I mean, unless you, unless this, unless you are in the military and it's what you're using it for. No. You're in a different, completely different setting, completely different environment. So there's just only one way to do it, you know, um, and, and that's to get with people like myself and probably others that have that real world training and just say, hey, all right, you know, open my eyes. You know, we're going to have a guest on next week that that joined my Tri-C program shortly before it closed, like, a, I don't know, a week, month before. And um or whatever, I could be wrong. Uh, could be, could have been longer, but, and he's a major black belt, not in grappling arts, but well, he'll explain it all. Not in ground fighting, let's put it that way. I shouldn't say that. Um, and he wants to, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Expand his his knowledge, and uh, that's you know, and he lives in another state, and yet. He makes a drive out here. It's a long drive. He's going to be hopefully coming out later this month, if not April, spend the night, train. Um, 
you, you got to respect somebody like this. And he's got a, you know, uh, he's also a fireman and a paramedic. So he understands anatomy and, and things. And um, I think there needs to be more people like that, that are just going to be like, yep. All right. Maybe I don't know it all because you don't know it all. Nobody does. And everybody's environment is different, but some of us have come from the shit. All right. We are your combat survivors, so to speak, urban combat survivors. And just as you would search out a military guy, if you were going on a military mission, you need to start searching out guys like myself and others, because we've been in the shit and we know, we know. That's all I can tell you. I'm proselytizing, but it's, it's got to start to be, in, it needs to be said because the shit that I'm seeing out there in the martial art world is getting worse. It's not getting better. It's literally getting worse. And Martin hit on it yesterday. He's like, you got these phonies that are now training people via online and they have no credentials. They don't, this, that. I don't know any of that, right? Um, because once in a blue moon, I'll see something and I can't watch it. It's just, you know it. You've seen some of the links. It's painful to watch. It's so poor. So I don't see it getting better. And that's astonishing to me. I mean, it should be far better than it ever was, but the emphasis isn't there. So it's, it's, it's like I said, the best talent. And there's some ferociously talented individuals in the sporting world. That's where the talent is going to the sport world, because that's where the money is. That's where the exhilaration is. Um, and the actual combat street martial art guy, you know, is working out of the church basement, um, teaching a class, and he makes 10 bucks a week doing it or something like that. That that's there's no talent pool there. Get my drift. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for lunch, man. <laughs> no, but anyway. It was good talking to you. Sorry for the rant, but every so often I get that way, especially when it comes to reality. That's what I own. That's really all I care about. So, um, but next week, yes, we're going to have our special guest, Justin Brown. He'll be here and uh, well, he'll be there and here and you'll be there and I'll be here. So it'll be interesting. But uh, anyway, thanks everybody for watching and listening. And uh have a happy St. Patrick's Day to all my Irish friends out there. I wish I could get to see you in Chicago, but then I won't be able to make it out. But I'll be with you guys in spirit. All right. Bye, guys.